Hey, New Life Church. Glad to have you on here with us. I'm really excited that you're here. Today, we are celebrating our nation's independence uh, this week, 4th of July. I don't know where you are right now. Maybe there's fireworks exploding all around you. Maybe you're with your family eating some watermelon, swimming by the pool. However you celebrate our nation, I don't know about you. I'm just so thankful for the country we live in, the freedom that rings. We're able to talk about Jesus. We're able to learn about him. We're able to go to church. We're able to listen online. I love our nation. I'm thankful for all the people who lay down their lives so that we get to have freedom. So today we're going to be continuing on in our Wisdom Book series. I cannot wait to hear a strong word today. But before we learn something cool, uh, we are going to go into a time of worship. We're here to worship the name of Jesus today. I was reading in the, the book of Judges, chapter 6, uh, an angel of the Lord actually appears to a not-so-mighty leader by the name of Gideon. And when he comes to him in conversation, Gideon's first response is, man, I'm not worthy to worship God. I'm not worthy to follow him. And I do know that sometimes it feels like we get in situations where we're not, we don't feel worthy to worship God. We don't feel like we're enough. Uh, we don't feel like we can. And I just want to remind you, no matter where you are in your relationship with him right now, there's only one superhero in this story. Christ is the superhero. It's not us. It's not what we can do. It's not how great we are. It's how great he is. So let's remember that today as we worship him. Let's give it all to him. It's going to be a good day. Let's go for it.
happy 4th of July, New Life Church. This really is one of my favorite holidays. I mean, anytime you have low-grade explosives and you use them to celebrate freedom and America, and you might even get to grill some meats, it's a great day. On one 4th of July, many moons ago, I tried Roman candles for the first time. Now, you traditionally shoot Roman candles from your hand, um, but my mom, who loved and protected her son, would have none of it. So as a result, we found a brick to hold our Roman candle. So I placed my first Roman candle ever wick down in the brick, right? Now, if you have ever shot Roman candles, you know that this is a problem because the actual burst comes from the wick end, which I just put down. So when I lit it and ran away, I remember looking over, noticing my grandma, who was nearing 70 at the time, just sitting in her lawn chair, innocently taking in the joy of her grandkids. You see, the first shot launched the Roman candle up in the air, which landed, perching itself, perfectly aimed at my precious grandma. And as the successive candles launched, my grandma began dodging them, nimble like a puma, playing the role of Neo from the Matrix before that was even a thing. I learned an important lesson that evening. When it comes to Roman candles, you want to get the right end facing up. And when it comes to wisdom, you want to get the right end facing up. Last week, Marcus introduced us to the wisdom books, revealing that the right side up in wisdom is to fear the Lord. In Proverbs 1.7, we read, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. We are invited to fear the Lord. You see, it's not the fear of a title or an entity, not the fear of an official. It is the fear of a person, not a, not a human, not a man or a woman, but still a person, a being with mind, emotions, and will. Someone who thinks, who feels, and who decides. In most translations, anytime the word Lord appears in small caps, it designates the name of our God, which is Yahweh. And Yahweh, when translated, means I am. And today, because I want you to remember that we are talking about Yahweh, the God of Israel, I will talk about him as I am because that's his name and that is who we are called to fear. So here's a simple definition of the fear of the Lord. Fear of the Lord means that I am is God, not me. Last week, Marcus said that the fear of the Lord means to be in awe of I am, and that is 100% true and accurate. He is God and I am not, and this leaves me in awe of him. Today, we're gonna look at Psalm 34, where David, not yet king, makes this offer to us. Come, O children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. As Marcus taught us last week, Proverbs is not just a book of Solomon's wisdom on display, but it's his collection of wise sayings and thought assembled throughout his life. And one of the chief sources of these wise sayings Solomon lived by was his father, King David, a man after God's own heart. So there's no better teacher about the fear of the Lord. And this Psalm, it flowed from a moment in David's life where the fear of the Lord took root. Fortunately, we have the backstory of this psalm and we read it, saying of David, when he pretended to be insane before Abimelech, who drove him away and he left. 
Before David wrote this psalm, he found himself in such a pickle before Abimelech, the king of the Philistines, that he decided the best way to play it was not to run out of the country, not to fight his way out of the country, but simply to pretend that he was insane. The king responded to this by saying, do I not have enough madmen in my court already that you feel we need to import them from Israel? I love it. And David walked out of Philistine country. He didn't have to run out. He didn't have to fight his way out. He walked out of Philistine country. When I was telling Finn, my 15-year-old, this story from 1 Samuel 21, he exclaimed, so, so it worked? And I was like, no, Finn, it, it did not work. David did not escape because of his wonderful plan. God delivered David. You see, David, trying to control his own life and steered by his fear, ended up trapped in a precarious situation. And even David walked out of that moment realizing that he only made it out, not because of his brilliant scheme, but because I am acted on his behalf. And David decided on that day that he would keep the fear of the Lord right side up the rest of his life, recognizing that I am is God, that he is not. And so with this backdrop, David teaches us a few things about the fear of the Lord. And the first one that we wanna look at is this, fear of the Lord recognizes I am's greatness. At the beginning of the Psalm, David writes this, I will bless the Lord at all times, even when I'm on the run from my king who wants to kill me. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. And he makes this invitation to us, oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. The Hebrew word for magnify is the word gadol. And it simply means to make large. All other fears exaggerate their thing. I had a buddy in college. He, he was an amazing athlete, a stud, all-conference quarterback for his high school football team and the leader of that team. But one day he came in after practice, sat down in his locker, getting ready to take a shower. And when he zipped open his gym bag, he ran screaming from the room. Why? Because his teammates who loved him, but also loved to razz him just a little, they had replaced all his clothes, all his shower supplies with a thousand plus cotton balls. You see, John had an irrational fear of cotton balls, and so he ran for his life from that locker room. I'm not sure what he thought those cotton balls could or would do to him, but that fear was definitely an exaggeration. And all fears are kind of like that, right? If you have a fear of failure, you believe that if I fail, I am a failure. It's not the truth, it's just an exaggeration. If you have the fear of rejection, you believe that if this person doesn't love me, that means I am unlovable. But that's just an exaggeration. If you have a fear of heights, you believe that if you ever go to a height that is above your head, you will plummet to your death. That's not a truth. It's just an exaggeration. That's how most fears work. But the fear of the Lord, it doesn't exaggerate I am at all. It simply acknowledges the absolute fact of his greatness. 
You see, we read in Genesis chapter one that I am created everything that is through the power of his spoken word. He said, let there be light, and there was light. Later on in the chapter, he says, let there be smaller lights to mark the night. And in that moment, 100 billion stars came to life, and that's only in the Milky Way galaxy. Think about it, there's 135 billion galaxies in the observable universe, and all that explosive power was birthed by a word from I am. In Colossians 1, we find out that his presence holds all things together. You see, if I am pulled back his power in your life, your circumstances wouldn't just fall apart. You would literally break apart, not at the cellular level, not at the atomic level, not even at the subatomic particle level, but at the place where matter disintegrates into vibrations in multidimensional space. Just think about the power that goes into holding the whole universe together. In Isaiah 55, we read that I am's ways are higher than our ways and that his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. In Isaiah 6, we read of the angels surrounding the throne for all of eternity crying out, holy, holy, holy. You see, in Hebrew, when something is repeated once, it means very. So holy, holy would mean that he is very holy. This is the only attribute in all of scripture repeated three times for anybody or anything. And the word holy, it means different and set apart. And so these angels declare over I am separate from us, set apart from us, different from us, because they want us to know how much higher he is to us than we are. And just to bring it closer to ground level in Exodus 15 and Psalm 18, we read of a miracle that you're probably familiar with when God parted the Red Sea, the Prince of Egypt moment. That's right, I speak sound effect. How did he accomplish that? How did he separate the Red Sea? Both those passages just say that it was a simple breath of his nostril. This is, this is all to just... That's all the power it took for him to stop a raging sea in flood season. We call him omnipotent because there's no end to his power. We call him omniscient because there's no end to his knowledge. We call him omnipresent because there's no limit to his presence. God is everywhere and every when, all at the same time. Just try to wrap your noggin around that one. You see, we don't have to exaggerate I am. The fear of the Lord is simply a right estimation of his greatness. The second thing is this, fear of the Lord submits to I am's authority. David continues to coach us up in Psalm 34 saying, come, O children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. Turn away from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. Who has the authority to decide what is evil and what is good? Who gets to determine what is true and what is a lie? You see, I've come to the place where I recognize that I don't have that authority. And the culture that I live in, the culture doesn't have that authority either. That call between good and evil, right and wrong, truth and error, I am 
gets to make that call. And whether it's an issue as light as telling the truth, you should do it, or as heavy as sexual immorality, which basically is to avoid everything outside of God's standard, which is one man and one woman for life. I am draws the line between what is right and what is wrong, between what is good and what is evil. If you're a parent, you, you know what it's like to draw these types of lines. In the little household, one of our kids developed a fascination, um, one might call an over-reliance on lotion. This child began to use lotion for all kinds of applications. Need to stick something to the wall? Use lotion. Need to style your hair? Great, use lotion. Feeling warm? No problem, we've got the solution. Simply rub lotion on your clothes, which will somehow cause them to feel cooler. Y'all, this was the logic that we had to deal with. So we instructed this child that there were better things to use other than lotion in the scenarios. Here's the problem. You see, lotion, it kind of worked. Giving this child confidence that lotion was actually a viable solution in each of these cases. Eventually, we landed on the parenting staple for defending our mandates. We basically said, why? Because I said so. And I just need you to trust me. You see, I am gets to make that same declaration why do I want you to do this? Why did I set it up this way? Because I said so. And I need you to trust me. We all have commands and directives from I am that confuse us, that we don't fully understand, that we wonder why he put them into place. But the fear of the Lord invites us to say back to him, I don't understand why this is bad or how it will harm me, but I trust you, so I will obey. Not only does I am have the authority to define good and evil, right and wrong, truth and error, but he also has the authority to judge between the righteous and those who do evil. He continues on in Psalm 34. The eyes of the Lord are towards the righteous and hears his ears toward their cry. The face of the Lord is against those who do evil to cut off the memory of them from the earth. You see, to the righteous, God leans in, listens to their cry and delivers them. But to those who do evil, the Bible says that his face is against them. Now, this doesn't mean that like he turns his face away in spite or because he's mad at you, like a huffing teenager. In, in ancient Hebrew, when it, says, when it talks about his face, it means the sum total of his character, who he is. So when we read the face of the Lord is against those who do evil, it means that I am's character, his moral makeup, is against those who choose to veer off of his path. See, I am is the righteous judge, the one who decides who is innocent and who is guilty. And part of the fear of the Lord is coming to terms with this fact of his authority. But the Psalm doesn't leave us just with I am as the righteous judge. 
but instead it contains a prophecy of the coming Messiah, that he would be crushed but no bones broken as he paved the path of redemption for us all. And I am leaves us this invitation. The Lord redeems the life of his servants. None of those who take refuge in him will be condemned. If you've got your Bibles with you, I would encourage you to circle the word redeems in verse 22. You see, I am redeems the life of his servants. The word means that we've already made a mess of it and he has to come and rescue us. This word means that he takes us from a place of guilt to a place of innocence and acquittal. It means that he takes us from a place of slavery to a place of freedom. Redemption means that he takes us from a place of death to a place of life. You may also circle the word refuge in your Bible because no one who takes refuge in him will be condemned. You see, when I have a right estimation of God's authority and his commands throughout scripture, none of us stand innocent before a holy God. And so fear of the Lord brings me to a place where I stand condemned in his presence if I understand who he is and what he asks of me. But the fear of the Lord also sees that Jesus took this upon himself, giving me a way, a place to hide, to receive freedom from that condemnation. Because as Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians 5, we learn this, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Jesus is the only one who I am, the righteous judge, did not declare guilty in his presence. He is the only one to live the perfect life on this planet. And then what did he do with that perfection? Jesus took on your sins at the cross so that you could become the righteousness of God. Faced with our guilt, and guys, we all have it. We have two options. You can diminish the greatness and the authority of I am, walking away from the fear of the Lord, or you can magnify the Lord with me and live in the fear of the Lord, discovering and remembering your need for a refuge and a redeemer. And this is the very invitation that I am offers today, to come to Jesus with a high view of God, understanding that no one stands before him spotless except Jesus, and to find deliverance and salvation at the cross. And so wherever you're at, wherever you're listening to this, let's just bow together and let's make that decision either for the first time or renew it in view of I am's greatness and authority. Let's pray. I am, you are the source. You are the authority. You made me and I love you. It amazes me that you also declare that you love me. Thank you for Jesus, that he lived, never sinned, died on the cross, and rose again. I want Jesus to forgive my sins because I want to magnify you, exalt you, to lift you high, no matter how it reflects upon me. 
and I want Jesus to cover any imperfections that I might have. I want Jesus to lead me in life to be my Lord and my boss, to guide me, to show me the path that more aligns my life to your desire for the way that I should walk. I give you my sin and I take on your righteousness. In Jesus' name, amen. Y'all, if you made that decision for the first time or for the millionth time, we wanna celebrate with you. We wanna walk with you, especially if you're just beginning this journey. So if you made that decision for the first time, would you just text CONNECT to 88000 and let us know? Whether you're in a city with one of our physical locations or anywhere else in the world, we wanna connect with you and help you walk with Jesus. And
Man, what a strong word today as we were continuing in the series, Wisdom Books, How to Apply Wisdom to Our Life. I believe that a strong foundation in our relationship with Christ and others, really, it starts right here with wisdom, how to use the knowledge that we're learning to build a stronger relationship with Christ. And so look, maybe today you actually made a decision to follow Jesus for the first time or you rededicated your life to him. And I first of all wanna celebrate that. I'm so happy for you. That, that's the greatest decision you could ever make. But we wanna know about that. If you text the word CONNECT to 88000, that's 88,000, we can reach out to you and build a relationship with you and it can help us pastor you better. So. Please do that as, as we want to be able to reach out to you that way. I also just want to thank you so much for, for giving uh, to New Life Church through this digital experience as well. Uh, because of you, we're able to help reach a lot of needs across the state of Arkansas, a lot of different ministries like M18 for those in addiction recovery and CityServe, giving needs to people all across the state. It's so cool being able to see all that God is doing through your faithfulness. So there's a few ways to give up on the screen. Thank you again for doing that. I have one announcement for you before I pray over you and before we go here today. Collide Conference, don't forget, it's coming up August 6th through 7th. I'm calling out all my students, 6th through 12th grade. This is gonna be an incredible conference as we're bringing in a few guest speakers from out of town, all about talking about how Jesus is above all. We're going to recenter him right back into the middle of everything. We always strategically place this conference right before school starts because I believe when we put him at the foremost and in the, the first that he goes before us and he leads the way. So August 6th through 7th, nlccollide.tv. Don't forget to sign up. But before you go, let's pray a prayer out of 1 Samuel chapter 12 right now. Dear Heavenly Father, God, I thank you for those viewing in, Lord, the individuals, the families together viewing in, Lord, the married couples. God, we're so thankful for each representative online here today, oh Father. God, I pray that we would remember what it says in, in, in 1 Samuel, as Samuel was writing these words, God, that we would fearfully follow you, God, not timid towards you, but God, fearful about what would life would be like without you. God, I pray that we would remember all the things that you have done for us, that Lord, we would be so grateful and God, full of gratitude as you go before us, as you lead the way, God, we dedicate our lives to you. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Have a blessed week and we'll see you next time.